Thanks to Indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL. Indeed knows hiring needs to be cost-effective when you're running your own business. Start hiring now at Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. All right, everybody. Let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome. It is episode 254. I just waited a couple days just to let things settle in because, look, I thought that seeing the Super Bowl and the Apple Music Rihanna performance might inspire some things or maybe some new things would pop up on the Sunday. And guess what? They did. Now, I don't know about you all, but uh, if any of you are having issues with the Apple TV 4K, the new one, and the new USB-C Siri remote, for the longest time, I kept on seeing people say, no, it disconnects randomly sometimes. It just stops working. Well, now I am in that camp with you. It just started happening probably about like a week ago. And so it's kind of frustrating when you have your your remote. And I didn't know how to fix it. And all I did is end up just walking basically point blank next to the Apple TV 4K. It then detects it. But once I take that remote back to my coffee table, which is literally just like four or five feet away, it loses signal, it loses connection, it stops working, then I got to pick it up, walk up, go all the way up to the Apple TV 4K to make it work. And so that was kind of what I was dealing with. I mean, when it came to Super Bowl weekend and actually watching the game and watching the ads and watching the halftime show, which was produced by uh, or sponsored by Apple Music, the halftime show was incredible. Rihanna is incredible. For those of you that said it was boring, you probably never listen to her music and have no idea what a legend she is. I mean, she's like, so much younger than me, but she's she's incredible. But the Apple TV 4K and the Siri remote is the thing that let me down. So we will talk about that. We've got more stories around Apple, what's coming this spring, what's rumored to be coming this spring, and then kind of catch up with some of the things that I talked about on my recent video this past week. But despite all of those TV OS updates that have been coming out, there has still been no resolution and actually, nothing has been addressed by Apple regarding the Apple TV Siri remote. And it tends to be specifically the USB-C Siri remote that has not been able to receive any type of firmware update since its original launch in November. And people are still having connection issues. I got to imagine that can be fixed in software. But guess what? It's a big pain in the ass. And you figure something would happen by now, but we still haven't seen anything. All right, so we're going to jump into the other stories, but before we get to those, because I just had to jump in, look, it it was frustrating, but I had to let you know, like, I am with you in this, I'm experiencing this like some of you are, but before we get to the rest of the show, we've got to also say, hey, be a part of this podcast, the Apple Bits XL, this is the weekly show where we talk about all the latest news and the greater world of tech at whole surrounding the Apple world, the tech world, but really, you know, we focus in on Apple We do this every week, so if you want to be a part of the show, hey, all you got to do is call in, record a voice memo, send it in to applebitsshow at gmail.com. I will respond. I love having you. You all add some texture to the show. If something inspires you enough to talk about and bring up, uh, let me know, and we'll put in the show. Also, this show is brought to you by you. 
Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how many of you have supported my content and allowed me to keep on doing this. It starts at $2 per month. It's Patreon.com slash Brian Tong. It goes up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee. The $10, the $25, or the $100 Platinum Apple level that supports me monthly and has allowed me to keep on doing this. So if you want to continue to support my content, you get early access to content, rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show, which means you will never have to hear any of the ads or me talking about Patreon once you sign up. So it's kind of a great bonus. Just kind of get through the flow. So thanks so much for supporting. And that's all I'm going to say about that. All right, let's get into it. And, you know, we obviously want to catch up with some of the latest stuff. I talked to you about the whole serial remote issue. I, I think I'm not the only one that's dealing with this because I get hit up by it all the time. But kind of towards early last, uh, before this episode, Last week, uh, my most recent video, you know, a, a render came out that was inspired by the Apple Watch Ultra look on the iPhone Ultra, and it got not only got me thinking, but what happened is that in Apple's most recent earnings, and we talked about it in last week's podcast, look, Tim Cook addressed how Apple, you know, has has room to go as years have gone by. The overall average cost. Uh, you know, the rising average sale price for Apple's iPhones have continued to rise. So, for example, you know, we had a top of the line model in 2017 that was a iPhone 10 that cost top of the line $1,150. Okay. I'm sorry. One, yeah, $1,150. It was an iPhone 10 with 256 gigs of storage. Well, now, if you want to look at the top line model, the iPhone 14 Pro Max with one terabyte of storage sells for $1,600, $1,600. And so the question was posed to Tim. It was like, hey, do, do, is there, are you really going to try and push higher? Is there more room for Apple to go? Do you look at this as a problem or not? And Apple's CEO, Tim Cook, friend of our show, friend of the channel, friend of the podcast, he said in response to this in the earnings call that, I think people are willing to really stretch to get the best that they can afford in that category. He also made a point to note that the iPhone has become integral to people's lives, and we know how central this is to our lives. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm never jaded by this stuff, but I still can't believe some of the things that we can do just without even thinking, just in a moment, just pull out our phone and do everything from banking to controlling our smart home to looking at our fitness, to using it as a phone, to taking pictures. It's incredible what these devices can do. Like, let's never take that for granted. But the bottom line is that when Tim Cook hints that, hey, people are going to stretch as much as they can to get the best that they can afford, really, that translates to him saying the price increase is not a problem because, in fact, consumers likely could be persuaded to spend more. And I think that's totally true because we all value things differently. A lot of times people say, hey, is this product worth it to me? And I've stopped, unless a product is really expensive and doesn't, it does not for me merit such a high price, I'll say it. And I'll say, this is honestly overpriced. Or I'll say, hey, maybe this would be a more realistic price that makes sense with the overall standing of this product, its features in, in the greater kind of competitive landscape. Well, if if someone if Apple says, hey, we're going to do a high-end phone with high-end features, I know a lot of people will then say, okay, I'm going to save up. Maybe maybe I don't 
I'm not because I'm not upgrading some of my other devices or not. I'm going to allocate that money for the top, top, top of the line uh, iPhone. And what what could be that phone that really pushes people? Well, you know, there's been a lot of rumblings that Apple has been internally looking at creating a newer top end tier of phone, according to Bloomberg's Mark Gurman, who was recently on our show a few weeks ago. So that and that rumored title or top tier has been speculated for a while and at least the idea of it being thrown around is to you know bring the naming that we've seen on other products and instead of having it be the pro max and not not renaming the pro max this even higher tier would be ultra we've seen the apple watch ultra we've seen the m1 ultra in the max studio apple's already using this name we've seen samsung with their s23 ultra phone They've had the S21, the S22, that the Ultra is their top end phone with the best camera, with the biggest screen, with now the Note capability stylus. I mean, that is their highest, highest end flagship phone. And Apple could be doing similar things where, you know, they'll probably offer a better camera at that high end, maybe a slightly faster chip, a larger display, a better display, and other features. Like maybe it's kind of think of it as their concept car of phones. Right, maybe that is the first phone down the road to completely get rid of the charging port. Right, this idealistic phone that Apple does, because I think out of any product that people are willing to spend more on, and people will criticize this because it just depends on where you're at. But I think the iPhone, out of all of their products, is the product that someone would be willing to spend more. And I look at myself. Right, I'm a content creator. I'm obviously using apple products because it makes it really allows me to do everything i i do efficiently cleaner faster better as a content creator and i am in a more unique position because not everyone needs these for creating content but if they're saying you know samsung's s23 ultra has a 10x optical zoom so this is not digitally zooming this is purely an optics the highest fidelity at 10x zoom right now the iphone pro Max 14 pro max goes up to like 3x zoom so if Apple, which is rumored to be putting a potential periscope lens to give us maybe somewhere more around 5 or 6x zoom, at least potentially in an iPhone model uh, coming in 2023, well, if they put a lens like that in an ultra version, make it faster, maybe allow it to do some other feature, bring, bring this whole non-charging port. Like As a content creator, I'm going to go with the best camera. I have resisted getting a Pro Max for years because, yes, I've said this so many times. It doesn't fit in my pocket. I wear s- slimmer, skinnier jeans. I'll be, I'll own it. But, you know, I've used it before for testing and for reviews. And damn, that battery life is so good because it's a bigger phone. I think the S23 Ultra from Samsung right now has roughly like 26 hours of battery life when viewing video, which is pretty wild. I mean, that's great. That's stellar battery life. Would Apple be could offer something similar. We know that Apple's also potent- going to be switching over to a more efficient, more powerful three nanometer chip for their next series of chips coming potentially even as early as this year. And then that'll start rolling out uh, the, for the next few years. So more battery life, better performance, better camera, maybe a better screen. If you don't care, if you want to be part of the future and have no charging port, I think a lot of people would buy that. I think when I start laying it out like that, a lot of you would buy that. So Apple has discussed doing just that, potentially 
sometime for not this year, but potentially a 2024 iPhone release. But, you know, when Tim Cook drops hints like that, it means not only are they looking at it, they're they're pursuing it pretty seriously. When Tim Cook starts publicly commenting on strategy and philosophy of how they approach and look at products, you really need to pay attention because that gives us an outline or at least some level of blueprint of where Apple's going. And we've known this, Tim has been a lot more transparent and willing and more open to at least hint or talk about things without completely giving it away, but at least giving us a little more than Steve Jobs ever did. And so remember, it's Tim Cook who's been talking about augmented reality, augmented reality, augmented reality, at least the past, I feel like three years plus and always dropping it in and people have asked him questions about it. And he's always said augmented reality is the way to go which should give us an idea of what Apple is thinking and what type of experiences we may see when Apple's new AR VR headset comes out whenever it does, potentially this year. So I love this idea. I don't think the iPhone is going to look like this, uh, uh, like an Apple Watch Ultra adapted to it. But I mean, right, titanium, it could be even lighter in weight and still very durable. But if you go look online and try and just find uh, iPhone Ultra concepts, there's some amazing ones from Jonas Daynert. And I, I think they look really slick as an alternative to what the current iPhone is. And obviously, it's really inspired by the Apple Watch Ultra, which also, from a design language standpoint, makes sense if Apple did something like that. So what, we're going to have an, a potentially a standard iPhone, an iPhone Pro lineup? an iPhone Pro Max, and then an iPhone Ultra. And if you're saying that's too many phones, I'm going to tell you, Tim Cook's strategy of giving us phones at every different level and consumers are still buying them in the tens of millions, it has worked. It has totally worked. Whether it's more confusing or not for the consumer, I've always said, hey, people go in a store, they have a budget in mind, or they say, I want the best, and they go in and they buy that phone. And the more that Apple offers different options, the more that they can sell a phone. And you know, with there's a $2 difference between one phone and the other, it's going to push someone to, some people, not all people, to be like, ooh, I do want that little extra. And they do it, right? It's all about the upsell. Get them through the door and then upsell them, whether it's on actually a physical product or something like Apple One or Apple Care and accessories and you know, you know all that. As a Apple Store retail uh veteran from back in the day, you know, and anyone who's worked in retail, you know what it's all about. So it'll be exciting to see how that plays out. Now, recent report just from uh, this Sunday from Mark Norman's Bloomberg, uh, he always puts out kind of his power on newsletter to kind of give us the latest updates. And a lot of you continue to ask me what's happening with the Macs, what's happening with the iMac. Specifically, remember it was, uh, I think it was, was it 2021? It was 2021 where Apple had released their first new design, super slim in seven colors iMac, which I personally loved. I never bought one. I don't own one. But if I needed a home computer kind of as a hub, I would have absolutely bought it. I think the styling and design is amazing. It's using an M1 chip. But according to Mark Gurman, Apple has no plans to launch a new 24-inch iMac until late 2023 at the earliest. Maybe late 2023 at the earliest. And ideally, it would not use an updated M2 chip and it would skip and release with a model 
with the new three, sorry, with the new M3 chip, which would be based on their new three nanometer process, better performance, more efficient. So that's what kind of Apple looks like they're waiting to push where some of these products that just don't need performance boosts as much, they'll they'll wait till the next architecture comes out. And let's be honest, I think most users that are using an M1 machine and our most consumers today would be completely fine on an M1 chip. I've been doing all these render tests and all these uh, you know, benchmarks. And the only reason to at least get an M2, and I keep on telling you, hey, if anyone's buying a computer today, I definitely recommend them to start with an M2 only because it includes Apple's video engine, which makes editing and rendering and exporting video files from 8K to 4K really, really fast. The M1 just doesn't have that. So if you're looking to get a new machine, whether or not you think you're going to get into video editing or not, and it doesn't even have to be complex video editing, any machine with an M2 or higher spits out video content once it's been edited so, so fast. Uh, It's just stupid fast, and it's worth it. So, okay, let's say new iMacs, maybe late 2023. Knowing how Apple has been kind of taking their time with some of these things and, you know, the Mac is not their biggest hot ticket item. Would I like to see an upgrade? Absolutely. But I could totally see that getting pushed out to 2024 as well. We did have new product announcements that just happened after the first week in January, uh, right after CES. That surprised me. And maybe that could be a trend that we start seeing if for products that get pushed out that aren't as urgent. Now, a lot of people are wondering, hey, what about the Mac Studio? Will we see an M2 Ultra-based Mac Studio? And that's also looking to be unlikely because... Really, the current M1 Ultra on the Mac Studio, pretty much there are advantages to the M2 Ultra. I mean, you're really looking at maybe a, a roughly a 15 to 20% performance boost. The media engine is faster too, but nothing that is a game changer. I'm someone who has an M1 Max. I did not upgrade to an M2 Max machine just because the benefits for me are not there. And really, the M2, anyone who's looking at a computer who's on an Intel chip right now, I think the M2 chip is an incredibly perfect time to jump in at whatever level. That's something that you're going to have to figure out. But German reports that it's more likely that Apple either never updates the Mac Studio because maybe the new rumored Mac Pro potentially takes its place. I think there's definitely a place for the Mac Studio in the lineup. Um, I'm still waiting to see what the Mac Pro is going to do. That's why I never bought a Mac Studio. But it might be more likely that Apple updates the Mac Studio and holds off until then M3 or M4 chip, which would be using the new three nanometer process for more performance and better power efficiency. So that's really where we're going to see the next boost, the next significant bump in performance for Apple Silicon is once we start getting these M3 chips. So it just depends on really where you are in the upgrade lifecycle. Also, the rumored next-generation 27-inch studio display, which was potentially getting an upgrade with mini-LED tech. Right right now, it's an LCD backlit, but mini-LED gives you deeper blacks, richer colors. Incredible. I, it is just, just right on the edge of the deepest blacks on the planet, which would be OLED. But mini-LED is still very, 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 very good, but not OLED good. Um, there were rumors that maybe a new studio display would launch sometime in the first quarter of 2023, um, but there's no signs of the display entering any mass production. So a launch for a new studio display is not imminent, which would also maybe 
pushed me towards thinking, okay, the studio display tended to be paired with the Mac Studio. Maybe they waited out and released a new Mac Studio and a new studio display at the same time, whenever that is potentially next year. Because with the Mac Pro line, they're really leaning into get the Pro Display XDR, our top tier 32-inch uh, amazing screen. But, you know, I, I'm hoping they bring mini LED to the, at least one display sometime this year. I'd love to see that. Um, also, their displays don't support ProMotion yet. So mini LED, 120 hertz ProMotion, those are kind of two things that need to happen as well as a better webcam, a FaceTime camera on there. We saw how the quality was not very good for the studio display. They did a subtle tweak with software, but it just still wasn't good enough. So hopefully that happens. Some people are like, hey, use continuity camera. Like, I know, but sometimes I just don't want to like reach up and put a camera, my phone on the top of my display. It's really cool though, but hey, who knows? Once I start really finding a use for that, maybe I will do it, but I just still... I just still haven't yet because I'd rather just pop open a laptop and and do video conferencing for uh, meetings that I have. So wait and see. But right now, no new studio display, no new Mac studio, and no new iMac really expected to come, uh, you know, this year. But what we do expect from Apple this spring is a new Mac Pro, right? The big kahuna. We've been waiting for that for a long time where reports have said that it, it looks like it might come in the same chassis, the same body as the 2019 model. Uh, it also will most likely lack user upgradable RAM because of just the architecture of Apple's chip, but include a potential M2 Extreme chip that was that was canceled, but a, an, an M2 Max level, or sorry, M2 Ultra level chip for this new Mac Pro. Sorry, no, Extreme Ultra Pro Max. Throw, throw any type of M2 Extreme out the window that was apparently canceled. But a new M2 Ultra chip might be what the doctor ordered at the high end of the new Mac Pro. Also, Apple's AR VR headset, I'm still excited. I'm still waiting to see what happens with that. Will we see that before WWDC? Some people have said, hey, March could be the time where they do an early announcement and then uh, WWDC. I'm going to, I don't know this for sure. Obviously, they want to get in the hands of developers, but I wouldn't be surprised if the headset as time goes on and i don't know this some people said hey march they'll do something we'll see but i wouldn't be surprised if we actually see it and it gets its introduction at wwdc we know that apple's working with some vendors uh right now developing apps and experiences for it but that has got to be an in-person event and wwdc last year was an in-person event and i think to get reactions from tech reviewers and influencers and developers the best way to get buzz around that product is to have people who actually see it and experience it and if apple believes it is that good and our reactions and responses to it will be that good that's going to benefit them the most so i don't know april maybe but june june seems more realistic and we also just got new apple products so would they release this new headset like a month and a half after they just announced and released new products only they know only that they know also typically apple releases at least one new uh, iphone color in the spring that might continue this year we had the uh at their march event last year 
They introduced the new alpine green color for the 13 Pro and 13 Pro Max. We had the purple color announced for the 12 and 12 mini back in 2021. So potentially maybe we see another iPhone type spring color this year. I don't know what it's going to be. I mean, do I like like a pastel green or something like that? Or like a, a yellow, like a like a spring rich yellow? I mean, I'm I'm being selfish. I know some of you are like, that's dumb. I would never buy that. Fine. You don't have to buy it, but I would. I actually, I've never bought a new iPhone just because of its color. I just haven't. Like, I, I, if they put out a 14 Pro in a new color six months after I bought my 14 Pro, I'm not gonna buy it. I'm not gonna do that. That's that's just me being smart. Hopefully. All right, let's take a moment to thank the sponsor of this show. Thanks indeed for sponsoring the Apple Bits XL because when it comes to hiring, you need to trust your gut. But what if you could give your gut some help? When you want to find top talent fast, you need Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. You don't want to spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. You hate waiting? Well, Indeed's US data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they sponsor a job. Now, one of the features that stands out for me and is gonna help you out, save you time, is Instant Match. Candidates you invite to apply through Instant Match are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in search according to their US Indeed data. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description and you can invite them to apply right away. Indeed knows that when you're doing everything for your company, you can't afford to overspend on hiring. So visit Indeed.com slash AppleBits to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash AppleBits. That's Indeed.com slash AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need a hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's keep on rolling here. We've heard about some heard about some Apple programs last year that were potentially coming, but still have yet to roll out. So the first one would be Apple's Pay Later, which is doing beta testing and expanding it. This would be kind of a monthly buy your product now and pay later which would be an option in the works. This is just think of it as a financing plan for Apple pay later. Um, This would help a lot. Apple, Tim Cook even said, right? He he touched on it that Apple, the feature is being tested among certain Apple employees right now. The testing has expanded according to Bloomberg and Apple even contacted retail employees this week to offer them a test version of the service ahead of its public launch. So, it's getting closer and closer. Apple has about 270 stores in the US, more than 8,000 employees across the country. So that's going to allow them to really quickly test this with a large population. But this Apple Pay Later financial service uh, will allow customers in the US to split purchases into four equal payments across six weeks with no fees or interest at all. And this feature will be available anywhere that Apple Pay is accepted online or in app. And this buy this monthly buy now pay later option is also in the works. So the initial one that I told you about four payments across six weeks, a monthly uh, payment setup is still also in the works. So you know when we talk about that really expensive phone, what's one way that people will honestly go the distance to get it is with something like 
Apple Pay later. So that just really dovetails into what Apple is trying to do. Also, some rumblings that may be a little bit of a stretch for the future of the Apple Watch. Uh, according to Omdia Research, they shared last week that Apple is planning to, re- to release what they're calling the Apple Watch Series 10 or Apple Watch Series X. X is also, based on research, one of the most iconic letters in branding because it just stands out so well. So, you know, people had the 10R or they were calling it the XR, whatever they felt like calling it, but Apple Series X, that sounds cool. We just saw a trailer recently, Fast and Furious 10. They don't call it X, but the X looks like, bam, Dos Equis, bam, bam. You got that X right there. It makes an impression. So... The latest report here from Omdia Research says that an Apple Watch Series 10 and third generation Apple Watch SE models with larger displays are expected in 2024. Now, the Series 10 would have a 1.89 inch and a 2.04 inch display size options. So this would be roughly 5 to 10% larger than the current Apple Watch Series 8. And the reason why I mentioned two sizes is right, we have right now Someone's going to correct me. Is it a 41 and a 45 millimeter case size? So corresponding to those two different watch sizes would get two different new, slightly larger watch sizes for the Apple Watch Series 10. Um, Also, the Apple Watch SE would adopt the similar, similar size as the current Apple Watch Series 8. And so that would also then lead us to expect that the Apple Watch Series 9 of this year will have the same exact display size as the current Apple Watch Series 8. So let me say that again. The Apple Watch SE 3 set for 2024 is looking to share the same watch face size as the Apple Watch Series 9 and Series 8. And we are expecting to see a Series 9, obviously, this year sometime in the fall. So cool. Also, micro LED displays, this would be, you know, the next generation of tech. We've heard about this for a long time. Um, Some timelines suggest that Apple might bring it out in January. This micro LED tech would write more vibrant colors, more power efficient, uh, longer lasting long term, just basically overall a better display than in the current Apple Watch and the ability to get brighter as well. The reports say that expectation is that these will be coming Maybe sometime in 2025, some have said 2024. I guess it, we'll wait and see, but these are just little nuggets that are floating around the Apple Watch world. And then if we want to talk about the iPhone, remember, um, there have been rumors as far back as the iPhone 11 that it would include reverse wireless charging where you could rest something like an Apple Watch or rest something like AirPods on the back of your phone to charge it. Samsung has been doing it for quite a while as well, but a report from 9to5Mac says that, uh, hey, the, the idea of that feature, wireless reverse, reverse wireless charging for the iPhone, is not dead. And Apple is said to be working on an advanced bilateral wireless charging technology system for a future iPhone. I think the biggest time that we heard about that was with the iPhone 14 Pro. There were even um, at times that, hey, it, it could just be like a firmware based on the components that are already inside there to unlock it. 
There was even a, with the iPhone 12 and FCC filing that hinted that the iPhone would have reverse wireless charging capability. So this is something that's kind of been always in the background and I would not be surprised for us to see it eventually. I mean, we talked about a new iPhone Ultra. If that has the biggest battery, wouldn't it make sense for Apple to say, hey, if they want to really differentiate this line for an Ultra product, I don't like, I don't necessarily like the idea, but I'm just saying people will pay for it. They're saying, oh, we have so much battery power in the Ultra. We're going to let you use it to charge your other devices for the best experience, thanks to Apple and MagSafe as well. I could see that. So we'll see how that all plays out. I'm not saying we're going to see reverse wireless charging this year, but those are the reports that Apple is still working on. They have not given up on it, and maybe we will see it uh, down the road sometime soon. Also, Apple is expected to hold an in-person AI Summit reportedly sometime this week at Steve Jobs Theater. That would be on campus at Apple headquarters, and this would be another fully, not broadcast, but fully live in-person event at Apple Park headquarters. Um, the summit, think of it as like similar to Apple's Worldwide Developers Conference, but it's for employees only, and it is their annual AI summit. And we know how hot AI is. Chat GPT, we've seen Bing now really promote how they're approaching search in a more chat-based conversational way to give you like a real answer in a more natural chat-based way. And I've played with it a little bit, and it looks really cool. I mean, even their CTO, Satya Nadella, said, look, we know where Google is and where we're at, but they're trying to be competitive, bring something new to the table, and have Google respond to what they're doing, or else kind of be left in the dust when it comes to AI and search complement each other. But that that's all the noise, right? OpenAI, ChatGPT, Google, Microsoft AI. Like Everyone's doing something, and... Apple needs to be a part of this. So they're holding their AI summit sometime this week, like a WWDC, but for AI and only for Apple employees. And then one thing I wanted to talk about, just a real quick feature on your phone that you could totally use now, but maybe that should be different. So I don't know how many of you know this, but Shazam has been integrated within Apple's Siri feature for quite a long time with their OS. You can actually go into your um, control center and go into the settings and add a, uh, oh, I can't remember exactly what it's called. It's kind of like a listen now feature, but you can basically add like a, a Shazam type option on your control center when you want to hear something. You just like hit it and it listens. Well, you can also prompt it by say, hey, um, well, I don't want to say the, the word, hey, you know what person's name that starts with an S. You can say, hey, S person, what song am I listening to? And right now it's kind of interesting because a big old banner on the top shows Shazam doing their music recognition. But you also have, not for everyone, but you have the dynamic island. And I think if they want to continue to use this to be more slick, we should use the dynamic island instead of this big fat bar. So any of you want to try this, just say, hey, S person name, what song am I listening to? And right now you'll see a big banner. But if you have a 14 Pro and moving forward, I think absolutely this should be, they need to leverage that dynamic island as much as possible because I'm just saying I feel like so, there's been some momentum lost around the dynamic island. It's, I yeah, I just think there's, there all the promise and excitement that we thought might be associated with it, I think the general consumer has not felt it at all. And even techies that 
I, I told people, hey, if you're going to get the iPhone 14 Pro and you want the newest tech bell and whistle from Apple, you get the Dynamic Island, but you don't really need it. It is charming, but as I've used it now for where are we at? September, October, November, December. So we're around like six months now. Uh, I just, it's lost a little bit of its charm just because not enough apps are still using it. At least the apps that I care about. That's all. So we need to show that Dynamic Island more and more love because I don't, if if anything, like... 3D touch, I don't want it to I I 3D touch is something that I still think should should still exist today. I thought it was one of the most amazing things, the most amazing features, and I don't care if you never learned it or wanted to use it. If you did use it, it was incredible. And yes, a long press is, accomplishes some of those things, but it was a tactile like unique feature that I really loved. And so Dynamic Island, don't go the way of 3D touch and I I'm, I'm sure Apple won't let it, but we need to bring more. Like we need to we need to open this up for every single freaking developer. Not that I'm saying Apple should do what Amazon did, but it helps when you just act completely open, maybe even just for this feature, to really let people leverage it and use as much as it can. I think the biggest issue with Dynamic Island is really that whole middle space can't be used because the cameras and the Face ID camera are all there. The True Depth camera system is there, and you really only get some information on the sides. And so that really does limit what you can do and show and until the day happens where that entire space can be used for text for headline tickers for stocks for things like weather constantly uh it's it's gonna it's still a work in progress so we'll just have to wait and see all right everybody that is gonna do it for this week's episode thanks so much for hanging out hey before we go we got to give props to our platinum apple supporters at the 100 level at patreon.com slash brian tong Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, Michael Gigliotti, Atari Koenigsegg, and Glenn Canellis. Thank you so much, so much. It was great to actually, you know, talk to some of you during our monthly Zoom live stream that is for Patreon members only that we do. It's a great community and it's always fun to hang out. But if you want to support my content like many of you had and continue to, and thank you so much, it's patreon.com slash Brian Tom. All right, everybody, we will be back here. Same bat time. Same bat channel every week. Thanks so much for listening. Take care and be safe. It's the Apple Bits XL, baby. Peace. Peace.